Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started. And we're back with you guys again. You're here with Kevin and Jim. Hello, everybody. Hi, Jim. I hope you're having a good day like I am. I th- Great day, man. Today. Be as good as yours. Well, every day is a good day. Every, every day, day is a good day. Yeah. Every yep. day in sobriety is a good day. That's not actually true. Most well, every day is a peaceful day, which is what we'll talk about today. Yeah, let's talk about peace and recovery today. You know, I've already did this episode once, and ironically, you still haven't listened to it. I want to explore it. When I say peace and recovery, Kevin, what comes to mind for you with someone with what, 960 days, if I'm correct? Yeah, let me look and just so I don't mess it up. Peace and recovery while I'm looking looking this up, 947 days. Okay. One days day of 47 time. plus nine. Yes. One day at a time. I hear peace and recovery. And I think that to me, peace is like was the most elusive thing for me when I was in addiction. I thought there was absolutely no way that I would ever understand peace or feel peace or anything like that. And, you know, I'm naturally a pretty high strung kind of high anxiety guy. And I just always thought that was how life was going to be for me forever. You know, like the opposite of peace to me is like anxiety and um, anxiousness. And so I think addicts and alcoholics like me, who was continually lying and, and deceiving and doing all these things, I had so many different lies out there, there was no way I could have peace because I was always worried about, will I be exposed? Will this happen? Will that happen? The best part about recovery is I don't have to deal with that anymore, which is nice. So yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where the root of peace comes to me is like honesty and integrity. I think for me, that's where I, 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 it, when you do those things, the result is, is peace. I can remember... We'll say it, you know, in a in in a twelve step group, you know, they call them the promises, and they say you'll know a new peace, and you'll know, you know, you'll, the fear basically fear will will leave you, and so being in a constant state of fear of exposure and all of that was just an awful way to live, and now I've got the peace. It happened specifically, you know, it started number one with me realizing that you know, I needed some help, you know, I mean, like, yeah. you know, they say yeah. step one, you know, you, you, your life had become, you know, you're powerless over your addiction and, and life's become unmanageable. My life became unmanageable. The lies right. couldn't be out there anymore. And so the very first pathway to peace for me was kind of throwing in the towel and being like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. Yeah. And then it and was you a, were open exactly to a different way, which is, we call that recovery. Yeah, you have to be open and willing. You know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so for me, things had to change for, for my life to change. Rachel could tell you, which is my wife, for people that haven't listened to all these episodes, she could tell you there were nights I couldn't sleep, night I'd had nightmares. I had so much just like just fear and just like panic constantly all the time. And some of that's like previous trauma. Some of that was literally just worried that all my lies would catch up to me through this process of recovery and realizing I had to change things. And, and like you said, being open and honest 
and putting things out there. That was when the peace started. For me, I get so annoyed. Some people will be like, you know, I prayed and then I had peace. For me, it was a process to get to peace, the pathway to peace. I'm sure there's probably some quote out there about that, but it was there was a lot of struggles and stuff along the way. I know one thing that you, you said, which I think is the most important thing for me right now is just radical acceptance. That's and so, literally like, the first thing. And, and not just acceptance. I mean, here's because to me, there's a huge difference because you accepted that you were an addict. It's when you got to the space of radical acceptance in everything you did that allowed you to get out of your head and literally open that closed heart again. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because like it like accepting that I was an alcoholic was pretty mm-hmm. easy. Um it wasn't easy. It, once I did it, it, it yeah. seemed easy. Yeah. You know, it took some time well, to get to it. But once I was there, I was like, okay, yeah, duh. Um, in the rearview mirror, it seems easy. But when you were going through it, the difference with you, like when I first met you, that was radical acceptance. That was not acceptance. It was not working. And we did some incredibly deep work. We could not have done that had you not radically accepted that your life was in no way working. Yeah, it, it wasn't working. And, you know, they talk, they call it the gift of desperation. And you guys have heard me talk about that. But like, I was so desperate and I was so done. And it really was. It was like life or death for me. And it sounds dramatic, but I think people out there that have gotten sober can relate to this. And maybe if you're out there right now and you're thinking about getting sober, you're realizing you get to a point in your life where it's like, I have to make this choice. And I just, I accepted that I had the problem. I accepted that I was powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unmanageable, you know, like the 12 steps say. But then I had to look back at all the things that I did. The fact was, is like, I did some awful and terrible things. And when I say radical acceptance, it doesn't mean like that I celebrated it or I was like, I did it and it was funny or anything. No, I accepted that I did it. And then where do I go from here? What's next? And how do you heal not only yourself, but you did what you had to do to heal those that you had hurt. And some of those people literally got on board with your healing, Rachel, for instance. Other people would not accept it, and they've gone their way, you've gone yours, and you still accept the responsibility, but yet you let them go. And if they ever come back to you one day and say, Kevin, like, I get it, you will have a talk because you have radically accepted to the space that your heart is so open. You are somebody that in my occurring world, has so much peace in their recovery. You did the work. Yeah, there was no for, stone unturned. Exactly. I, go, yeah, go every ahead, stone. Sorry. Yeah, every stone was definitely <laughs> turned. And that's that's part of the deal. For me, it, it started with that admitting it that I was done. And I, I had to, something had to change. And then for me, then I surrendered, you know, my life to my, to my God. And realized that what I was doing and doing it on my own was not working. So I surrendered to someone else. Then I had to literally sit down and figure out all the things that I did. And I had to share that with other people and, and tell other people kind of a lot of the problem, you know, the things I caused, problems I caused. I had to like audit a lot of my relationships, audit my fears, everything that I did. And then I had to go out there and I had to make it right. 
If you're listening to this and you're you're not at the beginning of this, you're not quite there yet. Don't let this stuff freak you out. I can remember being in one of the first. That's a good point. That's yeah, a very one good of the, point. one of the first groups that I was in. I, I remember, and, and there's the twelve steps, and they were talking about making amends with people that you've harmed. And I thought, oh my god, crap! This is I can't do this. And it was right. The process. There's a process of healing. There's a process of recovery, and you just do the next right thing. And all of these things will start coming. As I started to, though, go out to people, like you said, Jim, and I, I want to say apologize, but it was deeper than that. You know, make things right, whether or not I owed them money, whether or not I owed them whatever I owed them. Had a, a conversation, talked to them, things like that. An apology. Sometimes yeah. an apology goes far further than the monetary stuff. Yeah. And then them, and then the, the changed behavior, too, and them seeing it. A lot of people were like, wow, this is awesome. And like you said, they joined on with me. Some people didn't. And I had yeah. to... Also accept the fact that my a consequence of my actions is that these relationships are, are broken and they're not their fault, by the way. It's not their fault that they don't want to talk to me anymore. Like I could sit here and be like, now that I'm this guy that's in recovery and I've got this peace and I'm a pretty serene, pretty nice, pretty cool guy, I wasn't for a long time. And I can't expect people right. to just magically trust me overnight or really ever right. trust me again because I did a lot of things to really break their trust. So that, but that's you did a, the work. Yeah, yeah. I do, and not, I do not want you to stay. And, and if you're listening to this, the beauty of a powerful recovery program is you do a lot of work. And if you're listening to this and you're scared or you're thinking, whoa, 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 no, back off. Just be the space. Because it, it is for Kevin to be this vulnerable, it takes something. In my world, that is the radical acceptance. And that is the work you've done to have your life be manageable again. I was pretty much insane and now I'm, I'm saying, and that's, and again, it's, it sounds simple and, and it, like you said, in the rear view mirror, it surreal. is. Yeah. Let's it, be it, honest. It, it sounds surreal. It There's sounds nothing crazy. simple about it. It does sound crazy. There's nothing simple about it. Recovery is hard. Recovery is tough. Yeah. And like you've done a lot of work when they say like that, I won't fear people or I won't fear different things by working these programs and doing this, I thought there was no way, but here I am now. And like peace for me again is rooted in honesty and in integrity to where like, I can remember like if Rachel got my phone before I would be a nervous wreck, like what's she going to find? What's in there? Oh my gosh. And like, sometimes yeah. I still have like PTSD from it where if she like, not that she looks through my phone, but if it's out there, I'm like, she'll like be looking for oh. a picture or something. And I'm like, Oh wait, I have nothing to hide. I have to remind myself there's yeah. nothing to hide or just a lot of different things. When, when you have nothing to hide and you're not doing anything deceitful, it's a lot easier to, to be peaceful because as I walk through the door, everywhere I go, my health, can, my head can be held high because I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not hiding anything. There's, you know, I'm going to make mistakes every, all the time, but I'm going to admit them very quickly and I'm going to fix them. And, yeah. and that's where a lot of that peace comes from. You know, and I'm well, I'm just thankful for the peace today. Very thankful. I'm also gonna yeah, I'm also gonna say one of the ways that you have really grown is you know the state of mind you're in, you understand the state of mind you're in. Because we all go through different states of mind based upon our thoughts and our emotions. You've actually grown to know that to the point that you can kind of shift. That's one of the three things I talked about before was doing the work to understand the state of mind you're in. Because when you understand the state of mind you're in, 
you can actually learn how to shift it. We have good days. We have bad days. We have happy days. We have sad days. When you were down for all those days, there were days that we talked, you were stressed, but you handled it. You were open. Yeah. And that that goes back to the acceptance in wherever state I'm at. Like I know, like I accept that there's going to be times in my life because of my career choice, there's going to be high anxious, high stress times, but I just kind of let it happen. And another thing that I've learned is, you know, I, I said like the opposite of peace is like stress and it's also fear to me being really fearful. And so when fear comes up in my brain, I have to, I get to look at it and say, okay, where is this fear really coming from? A lot of times it's not real. You know, it's, it's uh, what, what did somebody say? You know, I, on their deathbed, uh, some famous person, I think, and I'm going to butcher it, but they're like, I worried about a lot of things and 80% of them never happened. We worry about everything. And that's when we get out of peace is when we're, we're worrying about what's going to happen or what this person thought or what that person thought and all that. Have you ever heard of Earl Nightingale? Back in the 1950s, Earl Nightingale had a series, and it's I believe it's called Acres of Diamonds. And in one of his lessons, he talks about the fact that 92% of the things we worry about will never happen. Only 8% of the things you actually worry about have the potential to occur, which means 92% of your worrying is a complete waste of time. And so if you're out there listening and you're worrying about something, the question is, is that mind created or is that real? Chances are it's mind created. We all get wrapped up. I I get wrapped up in worries that never occur. Yeah. And I'll tell a story kind of about that. And it's interesting. So I'll just be transparent. I was going to maybe like change the names. I have a business partner and he's also in recovery and me and him have very similar minds. Um, We're both We've been through the recovery process and we, we're thankful we're in, in a much better spot than we've ever been in our life. But sometimes our minds still get in the fear thing and we start to worry. And, and we were talking the other day and we both came to the conclusion that both of us were so worried what the other one was thinking. We were worried what the other one was thinking, but neither of us were actually thinking about what the other one. The real problem. The, anything. We weren't. We were. Yeah. I was worried. Well, what's he thinking? And he was worried. What was I thinking? But it didn't even matter what either of us were thinking because all we were worrying about or thinking about was what the other one was thinking. So yeah, it you was, weren't even looking at the problem. You weren't yeah. even addressing the issue. <laughs> so and not that even there was an issue. It was just like we just our minds start to play tricks on us, you know, where we think, oh. you know, fear like, am I doing something wrong or is he going to not like what I'm doing or is this? And yeah. once you start to communicate and talk about it, you're like, OK, this is just our crazy brains. Because I'm not thinking anything. I'm not even worried what he's doing. He's not worried what I'm doing, but in my head, you know, and it's it's that, and we both are recovering alcoholics. So we both got that alcoholic mind that think everything revolves around us sometimes. Right. So I think it was uh, it was such a good conversation because afterwards we're laughing. We We need to just realize that our brains will make us worry about things that we don't need to worry about, especially with both of us who work like our butts off nonstop and are always trying to do the right things. We never stop. We never turn it off. And so it's like, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. And I I think that something really important, if you're listening to here is I guess, let it go. I don't know what the the right way to say it is. You know, you just sometimes have to just let it go. Another little story. So my, my daughter and uh, our, our neighbor, her friend were in the backseat of my car and they were arguing and they were fighting there's an age gap a little bit. My daughter's much younger. And it was, and I just said, all right, guys, we still love each other. Right. And they're like, yeah. 
I'm like, okay. I said, and what if I, I said to her, I said, what if somebody was making fun of Michaela, which is my daughter's name? And the girl said, well, I would stick up for her. I go, even right now, when you're really mad at her and you won't even look at her and talk to her, she goes, well, yeah. I was thinking wow. in my head, it was like such such a lesson. So mm, then I said, yeah. okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to let it go. And I played the song from Frozen, let it go, let it go. <laughs> but anyway, a big roundabout story there, just to remember that like our emotions and how we feel are, are not necessarily what have to control us and how we have to act and what we have to to do because our feelings can be extremely, extremely really deceitful, I guess, to us. They're not real sometimes, you know? They can be tainted. And especially if you get in a certain mind track that takes you out, when you're in that certain mind track and it's taking you out, your thinking is you're not in any level of quality thinking. And we should never make a decision or a choice from non-quality thinking, especially in the space of worry. Yeah, and in the space of anger too. Or in the space uh, of any heavy emotion. Let it go, let it go. I wish I could, let it go. Yeah, I, I wish I could sing. I would sing it for everyone, but I can't. But it's a conversation that I have with myself a lot, you know, especially in business. <laughs> so much stuff going on. You know, we've grown a ton. We've got 50 employees. We have like 100 people here working. And you see a lot of these little things. They're frustrating, but in the grand scheme of things, they're really nothing. And so I have to remind myself constantly, we talk about acceptance. I have to accept that there's going to be these little things that are going to probably be frustrating. Letting it go is a lot more beneficial in the long run than sitting here and focusing on it, worrying about it and all the time and energy that it takes to do that. And so if you're new, this is kind of taken like a, we've kind of been all over the place a little bit, but you know, if you're new to recovery or new to sobriety, just keep focusing on doing the next right thing. Keep doing everything that you do. If you do it to the best of your ability over time, the peace will come. The relationships will continue to be healed. Don't get ahead of yourself. Honestly, don't get caught up in all these little minor details, every little thing that you're doing. You know, Keep doing the right thing. Make the next right choice. Don't worry about what's going to happen three months from now or three years from now or what relationship's going to happen here or there. Just do what you can do the best that you can do it today. And I think that and what you'll see is peace will start to, to follow that. I'm going to say, and as you do that, acknowledge what you're doing so the peace just naturally flows in. When you get to a space of like acceptance and love, quite literally, the peace is just simply there. This is a new you. The stronger your recovery program is, Literally, you are creating a brand new you that is empowered. And the game becomes to just continue to create that. Yeah, I think we ended up all over the place. Peace. Um, I know we did, didn't we? Yeah, but that happens. That's okay. We, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep talking on the next episode, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch more on peace and get in more detail over the next few episodes. Peace is one of the best things about sobriety and recovery. So if you're out there right now and you have no peace, whether you're in recovery or you're not and you have no peace, talk to some people, go to your recovery team, go to people around you, really look at yourself and look at what you're doing. And, and let's just try to figure out what the next step is, you know, what you can do yeah. to get closer to peace. And for me, it's again, just doing the next right thing every single day. We thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like us, please rate us so that we can uh, show up in more things and whatever those algorithm things are or whatever. The more ratings we get, the better. Share it with your friends. Tell people about it. 
And I know that Jim has something really exciting coming um, in the next couple of weeks. And that's a, a course that he's going to be doing where it's going to help people kind of grow throughout the holiday season. I know for me, especially in early recovery, the holidays were extremely challenging. I know that I'm going to do this challenge with Jim as well. And it's, it's kind of a self-growth thing along with keeping your recovery and sobriety at the forefront, you know, oh. if that's the path you're choosing and keeping it strong. So more stuff will come to that and we'll give you different links and things like that to go look. But we'd love for the people that listen to this regularly to join it. And if you know me out there and you talk to me, uh, it's stuff that we can do together and kind of talk about it. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you again next episode. And Jim, what are we going to tell everybody to do to create? We're going to create an incredible day. Absolutely. Thanks, Thank you, everybody. guys. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.